Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. Everybody, we're just getting it all ready. Um, I've been chatting to Tim, he's been telling me that he's quite enjoyed the COVIDs. Hello, Glyn. Hello, Jane. Hello, Carolyn Cooper. Hello, Anne. Um, just bear with me. Buttons are pressing here, and I am just making sure that we're going live on the YouTubes because we don't know. Leave those good people out as I did a couple. You're live of on YouTube as well. We are, we are, Tim. I tell you, this uh, we're uh, it, it's a this dumpy dum thing. We're getting everywhere. That's fantastic. Um, just whilst um, YouTube is is booting up, um, what? How's your how's your lockdown been, Mister B? Well, um, it's. It, uh, I think it's the same for everybody. It's, 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 there's two things that on the one hand, it's extremely depressing and really upsetting and ghastly and awful, but there, there are, there have been up, the upsides to it. And I, f- I find my, you know, both, I'm, I'm here with my, in London with my wife, Judy and my son, Jasper. And we've been now in the house together for whatever it is, three, three and a half months, is it? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we haven't had a row. Um, we've been together in a way that we haven't been for ever, really. And we've been playing games and we've been talking and, you know, eating a lot <laughs> together. And Judy's a great cook, so that's nice. And we're very lucky. We've got a house that's on four floors where we brought the children up. We've been here since 1982. 
and we've got a garden and you know in the sunny weather we've been you know, sitting out and getting a suntan and um so in that in that sense we're we're, we're blessed i mean i think about the people you know around and the, the council state opposite where the screaming and shouting that's going on in some of those, you know, those flats. And there was a single mum across the way with, you know, three children who are very young. And I just, you know, it must be torment, the, the agony and the awfulness that's going on around the world. And I think, you know, whenever I get to, wherever we get a bit depressed and upset about it, you just think, God, how lucky we are, really. Mm. And also, from the point of view of being an actor, I mean, I've got mates here in the theatre who are absolutely destitute and completely stuffed. Um, I, and, did, and, I did see that post which you put on Facebook yeah. the day, and I hadn't thought about all the other ancillary the, industries yeah, which the, were affected by theatre not taking place. That's it. It's the support industries that go, that go with it. I mean, it's absolutely everything that, that it's not just the production and the actors. It's all the you know the support people as well. And it, and it, it, it it's it's like a you know it's like in a pond. It just goes it goes further out and. And telly, I mean, I was doing a telly. I've got a nice part in a new big HBO series um, for Netflix, and that stopped halfway through it. I mean, presumably that'll get going again afterwards, and it's a hiatus at the moment. But, you know, there are people who are doing, who, who, whose, whose careers have just completely and utterly stopped. And I really fear for people leaving drama school at the moment. I mean, you know, they haven't got anything to start with. They haven't got anything to get their foot mm. in the door. But this is true of so many industries, and, you know, and it's, it, it, Everybody has has suffered, but the arts have suffered particularly badly. I mean, you think about the theatre. I mean, somebody put up a post the other day, so, oh, yeah, it's absolutely fine to go to the pub now and get pissed and shout at people in the pub and spray them with your, with your aerosols. But for people going to a classical music concert, you know, who are going to be sitting there like that, they're not allowed to sit next to each other. I mean, nobody shouts and screams at the classical music concert. Or, you know, but on the other hand, if you go to a stand-up routine or a comedy show, people are laughing a lot, you know, so you're mm. going to be laughing and you're going to be... So then you've got a, a, a thing of being an actor on stage and looking out at an audience where it's only half full. I mean, one of the things about when you go out on stage and you go, the first person that comes back off the stage, they say, what's the house like? And they go, oh, you know, it's a bit empty. Or mm, they're very nice. They're very receptive. You go out there, and you're only ever going to get half the amount of people you ever would do. You're going to come back, go worse, a bit quiet out there, and and they're all wearing masks. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you know, I'm lucky. I've been, I'm doing audio books. I'm doing. I've done three episodes of Space 1999 for Big Finish. I, I, I have to stop stopping on that because um, the eight year old me was well into anything Jerry Anderson. And oh, yeah. 1999 was yeah. just, it takes me back. The, the, was it the Interceptors? Oh, I don't know, whatever. They're on the moon. Oh, yeah. so I didn't even know they were bringing it back. So tell us about that. Well, they're on the moon, um, and the moon gets sort of nuclearly blown away from Earth. So what we don't know what's happened to Earth, because Earth's been left behind without a moon, so it's obviously not in a very good state. But they're travelling through a wormhole in space on the moon. Um, and they, and it's like Star Trek. It's like a sort of British Star Trek, if you like, because every episode they encounter a new planet where they might want to be able to put their feet down. And of course, they you know they all turn out to be evil, and and you spell evil e i l evil like that. And I am Space Commissioner Simmons, um, oh. so so I'm the rather pompous Pratt, um, who is a, a little bit of a coward, 
But um, I just we're about to record two episodes Monday and Tuesday, and, and um, Simmons comes good in that. So that's quite fun. And I built myself this little studio downstairs underneath the, the front steps, which is acoustically dead. I mean, I've always had all the kit and everything here. Um, but it's never been acoustically dead, so I can actually do an audio because you can do almost everything as long as it doesn't reverberate off the walls. But with an audio book, it's got to be absolutely silent, and it is apart from when the postman comes and he goes doom, 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 up the stairs, you have to stop. That <laughs> sounded like the like the the end of East Enders just then for a second. <laughs> so, how so are you using that same studio to record your monologues for? the arches or did you get that kit from from bbc <laughs> well i've had the kit for ages but i need to i had to match the kit that they sent out so that we matched so they sent us this um this really nice usb mic um and a, a cowl which is a called an aston something cowl that you've seen the pictures of it mm-hmm. it kind of goes around the back and that makes it um that absorbs a lot of the bounce of the sound and then People have put their duvets, you know, around it or put themselves in cupboards and things like that. Because what, what you've got to do is replicate what we have um, in Birmingham um, at the mailbox, which is an, an anechoic room, which is called the dead room. And you've seen the mm-hmm. pictures of it with all the, you know, acoustic tiling and everything. And the reason why that works is because they spend a, a, a lot of money on it. And you know, it's hundreds of thousands of pounds to kick that thing up like that. And what you've then got is you've got the ability to be able to be far away from the microphone and project, and there's no bounce off the walls at all. You don't hear that you are in a room. And so there you are with your background and, you know, up on Lakey Hill. Um, and when you're in the dead room and you, you shout, it sounds like you're outside and you cannot replicate that in your bedroom. Um, it, it, I don't know if you, I mean, I noticed it when I did the very first one and I have to shout at the dog. And even though I was, in, and, and this is before I built myself a, 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 my studio downstairs, I was literally in the bedroom with duvets around it and that thing. And when I, sh- I tried to kind of pretend shout, you know, hey, you know, <laughs> but you could hear it. I could hear it. I, you know, I'm meant to be on the field and I could hear that I was in a room. And that is what the problem about that they had was. I mean, I work with um, Andy Partington, who's the, the 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 engineer there, and we. I mean, I work with because he knew that I, you know, I'm a techie and I've kind of got all the gear. So I kind of helped him to get this whole thing started and how we were how we were going to do this. And it became clear right from the off that there was no way you were going to match two people in two different rooms to make them sound as though they were in the same room, even though they had the same microphone. The acoustic of the rest of the room made it made it sound like you weren't. I mean, I think in the in the due course of time now, with with all of this happening, people's expectations of professionalism have, have kind of dropped. So the people are used now to seeing people on Zoom not being in a professional studio, being in their own, you know, rooms at home. And I and I think you know going forward that what will that what will happen is that that this you know that, that that they will introduce it because it's yeah I mean you know it's been great seeing inside our our heads and and what we think and everything. Somebody made a lovely point actually was to say that because of uh, isolation, here we all are isolated. That actually the the idea of us just talking, um, in, being on our own, you know, being on our own in our own headspace. Headspace rather well reflected the idea of being of of isolation that you weren't actually in engaging with other people you were more introspective and thinking more um, and you know it, it can't 
of course it can't go on. It's been a fantastically good experiment. And I think it's really, you know, really exciting. But that's not what ultimately what what a drama is. Drama is about, you know, essentially is about conflict and and story. And there's only so much you can do with that. I think it's been a, a fantastic experiment. And I'm looking forward to, to what they do next with it because they will. They'll they'll you know they'll develop it. How uh, you... cheers everybody! By the sorry, can I just do, do a shout out for the David Archer Appreciation Group, <laughs> who who I I think are out there. Hang on, let me just have a look at the gallery view here. Let me see where are you all? Oh, hello! <laughs> I'll see. Who can you put your hands up? Who's in the David Archer Appreciation Group? Can I see one? Sandra. Who else? Where have we got you? Where's Carol King? Oh look, God, there's pages of you. Carol, hello, Carol. Hello. Hello, who else? Melissa is outside on the by a swimming pool. God Almighty, cool! That's really great. Where? Like we're going to find out where Melissa is. And sorry, when, in, any more? Any more? Listen, you hijack away, sir. Yeah, yeah it, 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 this is your evening on Dumpty Dum. So Thank you. You, you do. And Pat, hello, Pat. <laughs> this is great. Oh, this is so lovely. Oh, bless you all. Thank you very much for coming along. This is lovely. Cheers. Cheers. Well, a, I'm, I'm drinking Adnam's Ghost Ship, if anybody wants that. It's a very good one. Um, if we're giving a shout so out, I, so I need to say hello to the people who are on YouTube. So to Leslie Sams, Coconut Rosie, Laura Jackson. Hello, Laura Jackson. She's over there somewhere in the States. Sarah, Sarah, and I can't quite uh, read your surname there because I don't have my glasses on. Simon Hall, Beth Parnell, Ruth Pearl, Linda Bryson, and Ray something or another. There you go. Those are the people who are chatting away on YouTube. And we, Mr. Mr. Bentink, we actually have a record amount of people concurrently on both streams. We're up, we're up to about 120 that, that are oh. watching. So um, I, have to, I have to ask you this question because yes, very obviously we all under, everybody understands the reason why the format of the show needed, needed to change. And the very fact that we have something from Ambridge is great. Yeah. But, uh, the critical reception has been mixed. Uh, if yeah. I'm, you know, so how do you, how, how are the actors reacting to that? How are you reacting to that? The fact that, you know, there are people writing articles saying they hate it. And there's some people saying, well, I completely understand, et cetera. You as an actor, you're in the middle of this whole thing. How mm. do you react to that kind of mixed re re reception to? Well, I mean, we're all, we're all, we're all used to mixed receptions, you know, it's, um, you know, and it was, as you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an old geek. I mean, I'm a computer programmer. And when, <clears throat> when social um, networking started, you know, we'd been doing the arches long before that. And when Twitter came along and Facebook came along and I came on, on, on it and, and it, it, it started off as a, but people were taking it like an academic course. They were approaching it as though it was a university thesis, you know, as a literary, a literary course um, about the arches. And then it was when people started to get really rude. And we all accept that about, the, about our, our characters. It doesn't matter what people say about our characters. You know, we, we're there to be knocked down. It was when it got, people got personal and started talking about the actors that I just went, man. You know what? I think I might just miss out on that one um, because everybody's entitled to their view. Of course, I mean, in any character that you that I've played in my life, some people will like that character, and some people won't like that character. And that's part that goes, you know, it's part of the. It's what you sign up for. It's, but, it's, but, part, it's but, part of the 
par for the course. But to answer your question about this mm. specifically, we all thought, well, uh, it, the, the very first thing to say, uh, is it better to have it or to have not had it? Because that was the choice, essentially. You either said, we're going to take the arches off the air because we couldn't carry on doing it in the studio. So it was, it was either you've got the arches or you haven't got the arches. So this was, this is the arches, but not as you know it. And you're going to hear inside people's heads. And that there it was, it was presented and you going, okay, I like this. I like hearing what people are thinking. I never realized that that character thought like that, blah, blah, blah. Um, and if you don't like it, then you've got no arches, you know, then, then it's your choice. You can turn it off and just wait until it all comes back because it will, you know, it will come back and there's just going to be a hiatus. So this is a sort of a filling point for people who are happy to just hear, you know, what we're all thinking and, 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 and experiment in weird, weird times. And, and, and I'm incredibly you know, proud, really, and impressed with the production team to be able to have got this together because I can tell you, mate, it's, it's, it's really challenging to do this. And, and, you know, big shout out for Andy Partington, who's the engineer and all the rest of the crew, all the writers, the production team and everybody to have got this together. They sent out, you know, we've got our, our Archer's microphone. That's what we've all got. And we've got our little Aston cowling thing and, um, and a, a, a mic muff and, and we've got our headphones. They're actually rather a nice pair of cans. Thank you. <laughs> And we all got sent this in the post. It was terribly exciting. And there's, you know, old geeky bloke here who sort of set it all up in five and a half seconds. And other people were going, I've never even seen this. You know, what do we do? And again, how do you, how do, you do it? If, I mean, do you want me to just give me a, a quick lowdown on the technicality side of this? Go. Okay. So you can't, there's a thing called clean feed, which I've been recording. Um, we do, we've been doing ADR and dubbing. Um, and we've been doing um, this, the, the Space 1999, Doctor Who, through Clean Feed. And what that means is that if at the other end they've got a massive, great, like 10 gigabyte, gigabyte pipe to be able to accept the information that's coming in, if you've got a decent um, <laughs> internet connection, you can record and it'll go down the line in the same way that it used to with ISDN, and it will be recorded at their end. And they, will, they can record up to six tracks, six people coming in at the same time. Now, they couldn't, Andy wasn't in the BBC because he's not allowed in there. So he's at home, this is the engineer, at home with a, with a not very strong internet connection, not good enough for that. So the way we had to do it was we had to record ourselves locally. So there you are, you're sitting with your Mac and you download a program called um, Audacity, which is a free program. And then what you're doing is you're recording each, each one of your tracks on that, on that program and you know, I know how to do that. A lot of people didn't know how to do that. So what Andy does is he gets, he comes down with Chrome Remote Desktop. He takes over your computer. He checks the levels and everything and exports it at the right megahertz and bit rate and all that. And he is actually recording remotely on your computer. And then when the track's done, he then saves it into Dropbox, which he's which he shares. So then it comes into him. He's then got all the things. So it's not coming down the line. It's recorded locally. And he then puts them all into Pro Tools or whatever, and then mixes it. So then you've got to balance it and put all the sound effects in the background and everything. And, you know, they're all doing that at, that at home, having sent out all this kit to some of the actors. And that's why you're not hearing some of the older actors, because Paddy Green, 
darling Paddy is not about just not setting herself up with microphones in her bedroom, you know, and the rest. I mean, Charles Collingwood, finally, you know, he's he's on. Charles hadn't, hadn't got a computer before <laughs> this. Uh, you know, Charles is a professional stick in the mud and he prides himself on it. You know, I mean, he, when I, he got a mobile phone, that was an enormous step forward for Charles Collingwood and Judy Bennett. Pride themselves, I haven't got a computer. Anyway, they got him online now. So, um, yeah, it's been a huge adventure, you know, really for us. And, and I get it, you know, if this isn't the arches, I get that. And I'm sorry for people who, who don't like it. But the answer is the alternative really was that you wouldn't have had a programme. I need to quickly pause and, and ask you a question, sir. Um, there, is, there, is a, there is a listener of Dum Dum who is very close to my heart, right? a gentleman called Glyn Fullerlove. And um, I, I think that in error, Tim, uh, you might have, um, what's, the, what's the polite way of saying you ignore his messages on, on, on Twitter? He's a big oh. fan of yours. He's a big fan. And, he, and actually, a few weeks ago, Glyn said, Sorry. oh, I think Mr. Mr. Bentink, uh, David Archer, is in error, um, kind of blocked me. So if you could speak to him and get him to unblock me, he will adopt me as his um, uh, surrogate son. So if you can do that for me, Tim, after hey. the show, I can see him now laughing his head off. Oh, mate. Uh, <laughs> I, honestly, I hardly do Twitter. I really do. I mean, you know, I, I, every now and again, because I, I turn notifications off, so it doesn't kind of come at me. Every now and again, I go, well, let's see what's on Twitter. Hang on, where is it? Is he, where is he? Okay, well, I'll do it. What's his, na- what's his name? I'll, um, uh, if I've, uh, Lynn Fuller Love. Lynn Fuller Love. And because I what? need to be part of the Fuller Love family. It's, uh, it's been uh, an ambition of mine for quite some time. He's a very wonderful dum-de-dum listener. He's a stalwart. And, um, full of her. Yeah, full of love. L-U-L-L-E-L-O-V-E. This is the most wonderful surnames. I quite fancy being Royfield Fuller Love. Is that his real name? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there he is. There he is on the. Oh, Glenn, full, oh there you are. Full of love. Yes. Great name. Hello, mate. Hello. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to block you. It's probably no the only reason I would I have. I thought blocked. you might be bored about. I, I tend to tweet a lot about tax, so I thought you might find it a bit boring, you see. <laughs> that could have been it. <laughs> it it's no, at Glyn12GH. There you go. I'll meet myself. Okay, I will unblock you immediately, Glyn, and I'm very sorry that I did, but it was probably when I was having to do my tax return and I went, no, I'm not having this one. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, I don't, I mean, you know, again, to, to, the, the things that, I mean, the things that happened, recently there was a thing that happened on Facebook. I did, um, I did we did a little uh, radio sketch mm-hmm. with um, Toby Lawrence, who plays... Um, um the what's that um freddie yeah freddie that's right thank you who's that somebody hi i'm amy (laughs) sorry i'm 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 blind and actually tim we have spoken on facebook briefly you sent me a lovely message um basically saying that um i'm really sorry that i'm rubbish on facebook and um i'm friends with basil clement oh lovely basil yes dear old basil Oh, great. Um, so I'm sorry oh, to disturb, interrupt there. I just. No, not at all. <laughs> no, but so we, I mean, we did this little sketch with me and. Um, uh, um, oh, what's, the, what's the other twin called? Um, what's it, Freddie and Lily. Um, oh, no, Katie? 
Katie, thank you, thank you. And um, we did this really funny sketch that that Toby had written, and we did it together and remotely, and he put it together. And it's and I'll give you the URL for it afterwards. It's you know it's really funny. It's about a customer who's been held on 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 hold on hold music for an hour and finally comes through, and he's a bit basil faulty. That's me. Um, and we put this whole thing together, and, I, and it was a podcast, um, and we put it up on Facebook. And the nature of Facebook is it's really weird. If you put a link to somewhere else, you know, if you put a link to YouTube or something like that, Facebook decrees that unless it's got complete control and autonomy over it, it doesn't really, it doesn't seem to get through to anyone. So just naughtily, I thought, well, let's have, let's just test this one out. So I downloaded a picture of a kitten, a rather cute kitten from the from the internet. And I just posted it up and, and just put a little thing saying, just experimenting. And I got all these hits going, oh, what a cute kitten. Oh, blah, blah, blah. And half the time you do, you put enormous amounts of effort into something. And, you know, you've written something and, you know, huge amounts of production and everything. You put it up and go, hey, look at that, you know. And people go, oh, yeah, right. And you put a kitten up and they go, oh, yes. <laughs> so. I'm slightly jaded with it. Also, with the whole thing about mm. Facebook at the moment, I'm, I'm, you know, and one of that's one of the things about lockdown is that this is great. You know, the fact that you're seeing, I'm meeting, having fun with, with with friends and family and playing games and talking to people on Zoom and everything, and that and the reality of the real people is so much better than the than the kind of the awfulness of that endless endless downer that is social media half the time, you know, let's have something, you know, uplifting. If you're going to put something on social media, you know, be nice, be funny, be friendly, be creative, do, you know, put something up that you haven't seen before. That's, you know, that's unusual, that's new, but I, I get what I get what worn down by, by negativity sometimes and, mm. and by people you know, having a go and wanting to be com- com- conflict and all that. I can really, I can only but imagine how being an actor in the Archers has changed from when you first came into it in in the early 1980s, you know. Um, Now it's a case of instant feedback, isn't it? Um, It's a case of um, fans being able to say, well, that show was good or that one was bad, etc. Whereas it was a completely and utterly, it was another world back then. You know, you guys really were in a bubble, in a silo back then, weren't you? We were, and also people didn't, you know, people have got used to instant reactions now because you you have everybody, you know, everybody is a critic. Whereas in in, in those days, you had to really, really get uptight to be Mr. Outraged of Tunbridge Wells and, you know, get on the typewriter and write a letter, you know, to the Times or to the Telegraph or to the BBC. You know, there wasn't feedback. There wasn't any feedback apart from letters um and the letters would come to the production office and they would be virtually ignored really you know that you know because it didn't represent you got five million people and you got five people who who were upset about something you're not going to pay attention to that because it's such a low um, percentage whereas now i think people do pay attention to to what comes back. On the other hand, you know, it has to be said that again, if you've got five million people listening to it, even if you've got, you know, two thousand people who write in um, or who say something about something on Facebook, it's still very unrepresentative because the vast, vast majority of people who listen to the Archers aren't commenting or saying or talking on on Facebook. So, I mean, from my point of view, I really, you know, I, I, I'm terribly keen on everybody being able to say whatever they want. Um, I'm, 
if you find yourself sometimes being being attacked you know you tend to kind of shy away from that and um and i've had a couple of comments where i've gone that was unnecessary so i just don't put myself up i don't put my head above the parapet (laughs) just let them get on with it it's fine (laughs) going going back to the early 1980s um I, i think it's kind of part of the human condition that when you first get into something, what, whatever the heck it is, I, I, I love Formula One. Yeah. I'm always, I'm still a fan of it and Senna, and I still believe that Lotus should be a car and Nigel Mantel has a big bussy moustache because I came into it in the, in the early 1980s, yeah. the start at the time. And ditto for me, uh, the Archers. I love change, but also I'm nostalgic for the past. Yeah. Um, the cast was very different back then, wasn't it? They, yeah. you, it was people that had done rep or still doing rep. And um, tell us about some of those old characters, kind of, kind of like back then, back in the day, and, and just kind of quantitatively how maybe the type of person who now comes into the Archers, how that typical actor has kind of changed. Well, I mean, we're all actors now um, and, and have been for a long time. Um, and well, when I first started, there were people who, who weren't, you know, who hadn't been brought up in the theatrical tradition and who were, um, you know, who were broadcasters, um, who, you know, who were the real, the real thing, the real, you know, Harry Oakes and, and, um, um, you know, what's it, Chris Gittins and, um, it was the old country characters who actually talked like that and wore tweeds and, you know. I've got their welly boots on and, and their pork pie hats and and came into the studio and smelling of you know dung and um <laughs> almost but and they were very very different they were real country folk and they were the real deal as it were and it, I remember when I first came you know started in 1982 in fact last week was um my 38th that was the 38th anniversary it was literally last week of my first my first lines uh, evening all was my first ever line, yeah. Um, and I wasn't going to be a policeman, um, but no, it was so weird. I mean, I came into this thing which was a you know a legend, and there were these two groups of people on the left. You had all these old real country folk, who, and then there were all these actors all calling each other darling and moaning about money and and you know about <laughs> their agents and you know as it always has been. Um, it was very very different. You didn't go and sit in you know. In, in their chairs, it was, uh, yeah, it was frowned upon that you, you know, that you had your place, and there was a hierarchy. There was a hierarchical thing about it that the, the seniors were were the seniors, and everyone smoked. And that was the other weird thing. You imagine standing around a microphone, and everybody, you know, with a fag on or a pipe going. Um, it was, uh, and you know, and talking about you know, technically, the dead room wasn't dead at all. You shouted too loudly; it bounced completely off the walls because they, you know, these cheap old, old, um, old rooms at Pebble Mill. Um, it's all, you know, God, it's thirty-eight years ago. It's extraordinary. I've changed it. That I was the young thing. You know, I was the, the 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 bright young thing. I was doing by the sword divided at the time. I was being a cavalier hero on horseback. Mm-hmm. And I had long blonde hair and a, and a sodding great gold earring um, in my ear, and you know, metaphorically a sword around my waist and big pirate boots. And <laughs> things came trudging in, and um, 
Paddy had, a, had almost had a fit when I when I turned up that I was going to be playing her son because I, I mean I, you know I, I look back at it now. Um, here you go. Things times change. That's what I look like. <clears throat> Take this off the wall. That was that was how I looked when I first started in nineteen. 19- 82. That's going to be dashing. Now, I yeah. have to say, for Amy and Lillian, are two blind. Sorry. Uh, yes. Um, you'll imagine um, a, a dashing. Errol, Errol Flynn. Exactly. <laughs> I can't know. I don't know who that is. <laughs> Big pirate boots and a and a wonderful flowing white shirt. And whatever. Yes. I'm sure you're very good looking in that picture, Tim. I'm. Uh, I'm. Thank you. It's all it's all gone now. It's all dissipated now. It's it's uh, it's, it's just. I like, bet oh, that's rubbish. Oh, oh, just an old man now. Just an old man. The old fart. <laughs> old fart. I'm an yeah. old fart. Yeah. And this is how I earn my living half the time. You see, half the time I'm doing lots of computer games at the moment, in which I play. Oh, right. Yes. Lovely chap. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs> orcs as well. Having to be orcs I'm using my belly voice for that. For the uh, <laughs> fan of sword and sorcery. <laughs> when, when did you discover that you had this massive talent for for voices? I know it's something which we have briefly touched on before. And what utterly blew my mind was you explained to me how the New York accent, yeah. with the roots of it, were is Dutch, and yeah. you know. The old name of New York was New Amsterdam. Yeah. So, um, when did you discover that you had this this talent for voices and that you could actually make a living out of not only being an actor but having this great talent for for voices and, and for and for well, accents? Very sweet of you. It's not it's not a talent. I mean, I was sort of you know you kind oh, of bored with it. It's a music. I can't even. I can't even do. Uh, I can't do Jamaican properly. Like <laughs> Rummy, and I'm both of those things. <laughs> or can he? Or can hear you, Blume, mate? Don't worry. <laughs> You can hear that already, right, right there. And I don't want to get into the other subject because, you know. There you go. <laughs> You're a lot better that, that, than I am, mate. <laughs> I, we had a, a white a taxi driver came to the door years and years ago, and a little tiny geezer with glasses and a flat hat, mm-hmm. opened the door, and he, was sort of, and he said, Taxi bar Bentink. And I went, where are you from? He said, oh, man. He said, I'm from Jamaica. He's a white Jamaican. You know, it's, you don't expect that. Well, possibly yeah. you do, maybe not. Now, I had it. I mean, it's it's musicality. I mean, you know, there's the guitars behind me here. And I've always been musical. And it goes, apparently, the, the two things go go together. That You've got an ear for music. Then you've got an ear for, for accent. And it's just a weird thing. I can hear it and I can replicate it, you know. And, um, and I've got I'm this. I'm very like that, Tim. I'm yeah. very good with accents, yeah. yeah cool. Good, good, yeah, yeah. I bet you are. I don't know if that's because I'm blind or what. Sorry, I'm playing the blind card tonight. I do apologise. <laughs> if you want me to shut up, no, please no. tell me. It's cool. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think it's absolutely true. I think, you know, your 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 sense of hearing is heightened because because of your, your yeah. loss of sight. Um, and, it, you know, yeah. that's very true. You're very, very attuned to stuff. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm I'm apparently going deaf. I went and had an ear test the other day, and this and this uh, this very very nice, um, attractive Eastern European girl put me in a box and gave me a hearing test, and I came out, and she said, "So, Miss Lebrem, think you'll you'll see here is the glass of your, 
of your hearing. And here it goes along the top, it's very good, very good, very good. And then here you'll see a dip that goes down and there. I said, so what frequency is that dip? She said, is exactly the frequency of female speech? <laughs> Which is why my wife had been sent, had sent me to go and have a hearing test because I keep saying what to her. I can hear everybody else absolutely fine. My son, mates, everybody that. Judy, <laughs> selectively deaf. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, I, ha I have to pause because we, we need to start uh, by doing basically the, the dum de dum quiz. So if oh, you right. haven't got pencil and paper, or maybe you've got a, uh, you've got an, a slate there and a bit of chalk uh, or, or anything else, uh, I suggest you go and get that now. And, and whilst you're getting that, I need to tell everybody... Go and vote for Dum 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 on the British Podcast Listener's Choice Award. Now, okay. uh, go on to BritishPodcastAwards.com forward slash vote. Now, um, we probably won't win because we never have any year that this uh, August award has been running. But we always get an honourable mention. So much so that I think the first year, which is, well, I don't know, about three years ago, we were actually invited down to the awards ceremony. So um, we won't win because we're not one of those cool metropolitan hit podcasts, but it's nice to get a mention because we are a community. So it's, um, it's at the bottom of the screen, screen, uh, um, British, uh, listen, uh, British Podcast Awards, Listener's Choice, and it's BritishPodcastAwards.com forward slash vote. Go give us a vote. We might get a mention. Now, I've tested this, everybody, and it is up and working. So um, here we go. Um, we start off with the pitch around. It is the infamous dum de dum pitch around. Play along with this, M Mr. B. Okay. Um, this is an archer's thing or person. Um, now, so what we have here is an animal which likes to rummage around in muck uh, uh, is the first image. Then we have something which we put our stuff in. Something that's a bit of an old-fashioned bit of furniture, which maybe pirates had uh, to put their treasure in. And then the last image, we have the universal symbol of some type of humanity. And I'm explaining this for our uh, non-sighted uh, viewers uh, right now. So this is an archer's thing or person. That is number one. It's an animal that likes to rummage around in muck and filth. And then we have an old bit of furniture, uh, classically something that a pirate might like uh, keep their doubloons in or their gold bullion. And then we have a universal symbol of some part of humanity. That's question number one. Number two, we have... Um, a substance uh, which is white and powdery. So a powdery substance which is in, a, um, in some kind of jar, not in a jar, in a bowl, sorry. And then uh, image number two, we have a whole load of vegetables. Well, well, there's some vegetables, there's some fruit there. It's very colourful. Then image number three, we have lots of lights. It looks like a stage of some sorts. Um, maybe a pop star is about to appear. So this is question number two. We have a white powdery substance and then we have a colourful fruit and veg and then um, some kind of stage, um, which may be, um, I was about to say Michael Jackson, then I thought George Michael, showing my age. Uh, some pop star, um, Ed Sheeran, uh, might appear on. Again, this is an archer's thing or person. Then image number three, we have a number. Um, the smallest whole number. 
And then we have um, a piece of material which has um, a little bit of metal underneath it. I think normally it's attached to um, it's attached to something else. I'm trying not to give this away. Uh, and then we have a book is a, our third image, and it's the Cambridge English uh, KET for Schools Trainer book. So the Cambridge English KET for Schools Trainer six practice tests. This is an archer's thing or person. We will come back onto these at the end. Now, if you've been paying attention, you're going to ace the first couple of questions of the Timothy Benting round. <laughs> when did Timothy begin his role of David? If you're good at maths, you said this a couple of times, if you can subtract the years from where we are now in 2020. Was it A, 1979, B, 1982, C, 1985. If you've been listening, paying attention, if you didn't know this before today, you know this now if you've been paying attention. Num question number two, what were Tim's first words on the archers? And he just said it all about five minutes ago. Was it A, hello, mum, hello, dad, it's me, it's David. Was it B, evening all? Or was it C, I hope it's lasagna for dinner tonight? <laughs> what was Timothy's first words on joining the archers? Again, if you're paying attention, you've got that one. I, I thought there was going to be a real deep cut until Mr. B actually told us all about five minutes ago, if you're paying attention. Question number three. When being a man about town or the village in the 1980s, David had a trusty steed. What was it? Was it A, a Ford Sierra, B, a Ford Capri, or C, a Ford Escort XR3i? He loved that thing, and he went out a-courting in it. Was it a, a, a Ford Sierra, B, a Ford Capri, or C, a Ford Escort XR3i. Um, I know we have um, listeners of a younger vintage, uh, but if you just think, just think of, didn't think of a young David Archer. He was young and he was thrusting. And um, which one of those racy cars do you reckon he would have uh, driven around in? Question number four on the Timothy Bentink round is the name Bentink appeared on the Archer's credits before or Tim joined the set. How? I only learned this today, folks. I, I will freely admit. Number A. Number A. Oh, A. The ninth Earl of Portland made an appearance on the flower at the Flower and Produce show in the 1960s. Is that how the surname Bentink appeared in the artist credits before Tim actually joined? B. Norman Painting used it as a nom de plume. Or is it C. Nelson? My favorite old character sold a painting by Jasper Bentink. So I'm going to read those again. The name Bentink appeared on the Archer's credits before Tim joined the set. How? Was it A, the ninth Earl of Portland made an appearance at the Flower and Produce Show in the 1960s? B, Norman Painting used it as a nom de plume? Or C, Nelson sold a painting by Jasper Bentink when he had the antique shop? And then the last question, David is a passionate man, but what thing gets on his goat the most? Is it A, Badgers, number C, Vince Casey, or C, being owed money by his brother Kenton? Which one of those 
gets him riled up the most. So I'll read that again. Is it A, badgers? Does he hate a badger? Our David Archer. B, is it Vince Casey? Ooh, he hates a brummy businessman who's trying to do him over and a deal. Or is it C, he hates being owed money by his brother? So there you go, folks. We will come back to those uh, later on in the show. We'll get your answers. Tim, no pressure. And I, I say this every week. Yeah. Every actor, with the exception of Tim Pepperell, has got every one of their questions right. So their own questions. Yes, their yeah. own questions. Yeah. Pitch around. We'll let that go. We'll let that yeah, go. No, I've got, I've got my own questions right. Okay. But, the picture runs, I've got absolutely no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> no, I think you have to be um, a viewer of the of the dum de dum does Zoom to realise how my mind works. Okay. And you can't kind of then get them. They have to tune in on you. Exactly. Yeah. You, you, focus, you focus in. Um, a few more questions before we, we, we kind of throw this out. Um, at what point? did you kind of realize, because you know, you, you came in as a, a thrusting young thing. At what point did you realize that you'd moved from being the thrusting young thing to actually being a senior member of the cast? Obviously the role of David, actually, you, the whole drama slowly revolves around Brookfield and you are the patriarch, you know, you've, you've become, Norman painting in, in effect, right? But at what point did you realize that crumbs, not only have I been here for quite some time, but actually I'm not one of the new young things anymore. I'm actually part of the, in the, in the nicest possible way, the, yeah. the gray senior set. No, it, it is. And you know, you go through these, these different periods and you know, here we are now, and there's a new generation. There's a sort of a, a, the next generation that is, is forming now. And the ones who were the bright young things 10 years ago, are all are already looking, you know, at the youngsters and going, you know, you've got all my episodes made. Um, no, it was. I think the answer was when they said that David and Ruth were going to take over Brookfield. Uh, that was that was the turning point, mm. um, and that you know, even though um, Phil and Jill were still alive, and they 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 handed over the running of the farm to us, that was a huge turning point, really. Um, and then having children, you know, and becoming becoming parents um and and the rest i mean every, everything else has been a kind of a, been a gradual thing but those i think were the two turning points is you know be, is running the farm and um and uh and 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 becoming becoming parents and then you know we now now, now grandparents um but then you've still got june spencer who's 100 um, and so we're still not the oldies yet. I mean, I'm, you know, the, the other great thing about David is that he's six years younger than I am. <laughs> so I've got eternal youth with David Archer. And, um, you know, this thing about him turning 60 and, uh, and, and having a midlife crisis and, you know, not being as fit and strong as he was before, I'm going, get off, you know. I'm just, a, I'm, I'm perfectly all right. I'm still, I'm still fit and thank god touch wood <laughs> say that not these days um but anyway and david's six years younger than me so you know they're, they're a tough breed farmers you know so um yeah it's it, it, it what an extraordinary job what an you know an extraordinary job to have joined up when i was 29 
And here I am age 67 and I'm still doing that job. And that in, in that might be true of other jobs, but not in a, not, not acting. Mm. There's there's no other thing unless you were in a you know Coronation Street or EastEnders. But I mean, we've been going longer than any of them. So, um, and also the great thing about that is that I wouldn't want to have been in a soap, uh, in a telly soap, because you'd never, I'd never have had all the you know the parts that I that I've played in, in, on stage and on on screen in film and in television and all the other things that I do. Um, because you'd be typecast if you were, you know, you'd just be that one character in that soap opera. Whereas with, with David, yeah, you know, people, I come on screen and, or on stage and things and they go, I've heard that voice before. <laughs> but they don't associate my face with David, you know, in the way that you do with a screen character. So they'll, they'll get, you know, I, I, I remember we did um, Educating Rita down at the, um, the Watermill Theatre in Reading. And I've uh, got the local, the local papers, I mean, I've got national press, but the local paper wrote and said, and then onto the stage came the dulcet tones of David Archer. And I went, <laughs> what do you have to do? <laughs> um, but, you know, that goes with the territory. Also, the thing is that, I don't know about you, I mean, people say, they've often said to me, um, it's, only, it's only when I tell them, you know, or somebody says, this, Tim plays David on the Archers, that I could have been talking to them all evening and they wouldn't recognise my voice because it's not, because I'm not David. That only when they are told, they go, they kind of retune and they go, oh yeah, now I, he- now I can hear it, you know. But I've never, I don't think ever in my entire life had, had anyone go, wait a minute, that voice is familiar. Do you play David in the Archers? Because it's out of context, you know. It's... Um, and it's not me. I mean, I, David doesn't talk like I do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Last question from me before I throw it out to the Dumby yeah. Dummies. Um, after this amount of time of you being on the show, almost 40 years, do you feel paternalistic towards the other actors? And I don't just mean the younger actors, um, but do you, you know, do you feel that yeah, do you feel paternalistic towards them? Because I, I, I think I think you do. Graham Seed said something really lovely um, about a month ago when he came on. He was incredibly honest about the way that he felt when he got the news that he, that the role of Nigel was being axed. Mm. You know, he said, "I cried, Royford, I cried." You know, yeah. said, I and also the way I was told, I, I thought I deserved a little bit better than that. You know, just to be. Um, told over the phone, I wasn't called into the office and, and whatever. And, and, he, and he said, I, I, I got depressed. And he, he made a point of saying that my mate Tim was really angry on, on my behalf and stuff. Um, so I'm guessing that you not only do you, are you very, uh, that you have a real, that you have a connection to the role, but also that you do, you look out for your fellow actors, don't you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I mean, we had a thing recently with with me and Toby. We're we're in a film, and um, the guy who was directing it um, behaved really badly, and so I pulled out um, because he'd be, he'd, be, he'd behaved really badly towards Toby, and he's a you know he was a fellow actor, so I just pulled out. Um, and I do. I mean, I I can't. I you know, one thing I cannot bear. I really, really cannot bear. Almost whether it's bullying. I cannot bear bullying. And I think that's because I got a bit bullied when I was at, um, at my prep school, not physically, but mentally. 
And when I ever I saw bullying happening with my children, it used to drive me up the pole. And I cannot stand bullies, which is one of the reasons I, I so detest Trump, you know, for instance, because he's a bully. I cannot bear the abuse of power. I really, really can't bear it. Um, and so I will, you know, look out for the for the people who can't defend themselves and people who are being, you know, are being attacked. Um, but also, when you say it, the, the cast, it's it, it that wasn't David and um, uh, and Nigel. That that was Tim and and, and Graham. And what, what we are as a cast is we're 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 family. Um, and the longer you've been in it, the closer you are to that family. And then when people come into the cast, the younger members of the cast, it's like they've joined an extended family. And we're very, um, we're tight, you know. Um, we 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 accept and they're not threatening, you know. Yeah, you know, bastard, you've got 12 episodes this month and I've only got one. But that's banter, you know. Um, and that goes with the territory. You never know how many episodes you're going to get, and the storyline's going to go down there. It's going to go down there. And you never ever take resent the actor doing it. They, we, for a long time, me and Felicity had a guaranteed six episodes per month under Vanessa Whitburn from years and years and years. Can you imagine what that felt like for the other actors? You bastard! You know you've got guaranteed episodes, and we just don't know from month to month what we're going to be getting. And I know that, that they they could have really, that the actors behind our backs were going, you know, bloody Tim and Flick, you know, they got all these episodes, Sodom. And, you know, that's par for the course, but it, that's banter, you know, that's, that, that, it's not, and they knew it wasn't our fault. We were just lucky. They were going, you lucky bastards. And we were. And now that, um, you know, I don't know whether, I mean, I haven't got any episodes this month or, or next month, but I've got a lot of other work. So, you know. It's a job. It, it's a job. But the thing about the arches is it's more than a job because what it actually is, it's a group of people who you get very close to people when you're in theatre. You know, you do a job in theatre and you're in it for whatever, you know, months or weeks or, or even years. And you get really close because of the fear, because you're on stage and you're in front of people and it's terrifying. And all you've got is your mates to help you and look out for you and to support you. And we've got that as a group of people who are a tightly knit bunch of people who've got this privilege of being in the archers and we all treat it as a privilege and we are uh, uh, we look out for each other and we love and you know we love each other and the longer we've been in it you know i've been in it it's say 38 years there are people there are actors in it i've known for 38 years there are some of the younger ones i've only known for one year but then you get people who come into it and make a and make a you know an impact like james cartwright for instance i mean you know who plays who plays um harrison, harrison. yeah you know, James comes into into green room. Hello, my mate. You know, comes up with your like, stonking great hug like that. All right, old fellow mate. You know, and he's just this ball of energy. And when he came in, he said, Tim, he said, I've got to tell you, mate, I've no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> no idea. Because he's a great actor. He's never done radio before. How do you do it? And I'd do something and he'd look at me go, mate, what the fuck and he picked it up and he went with it and i gave him you know we all gave him give we give little hints yeah am i allowed to can i say you know can i suggest maybe do it a bit like that to and he goes, yeah tell me all hungry i'm hungry for it so we give him all that and now he's one of you know he's a fantastic and, and strong member of the team and all of them they all come in and some of them have never done radio before and they learn and we you know we help
we don't give them notes, but we kind of give them little hints. And we're supportive, you know, and we don't take the piss and we don't we don't denigrate them and we don't talk behind their back unless it's Graham Seed, in which case we do. <laughs> <laughs> Seed does. <laughs> You, you talked about privilege before and that you're privileged to be part of this, uh, I'm going to say, veritable uh, institution. Uh, and, and we are privileged as uh, fans of the Archers to have you in front of us on this Friday evening. Um, so if you have a question uh, for our Tim, um, wave now. And all right, Quentin Rayner, right? Um, you've been outed, sir. If you want to un- unmute yourself there, Quentin. Um, you've been outed, like I, like Tim. There's, there's this dude. He's about to ask you a question. Uh, right, I can see um, you. Hello, Quentin. Hi, Tim. He, he, like every week, he asks great questions. So much so, a couple of weeks ago, I said, "Why don't you just do dumpty dum?" Right? <laughs> He's only a BBC TV news reader. <laughs> I would say you are. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Quentin, you're up. Go for it, mate. Uh, hi, Tim. Hi, Quentin. Um, I don't know if Roy, Roy Fields warned you, but um, sometimes these exchanges actually get uh, quoted in the in the national press because uh, well, the Telegraph from last week and my exchange with Kerry Davis was quoted in the Daily Yes, I, I did see that. Yeah, I so, have heard this, and I was warned by the by our press guy. You know that I you know, <laughs> normally I'm, I'm I, I, Royfield will ask me a question, I'll answer it. And this time, I'm <laughs> behind like a politician. So, so, so the the, the press there. They're watching, they're listening, Tim. Um, right. what, what I tend to do on these is just some quick-fire questions, frivolous, and uh, most people seem to enjoy them. So okay. I, shall I throw you some quick-fire questions? Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Okay. Um, I've done a bit of research on you, Tim, so I've got to ask you this. What are you more proud of? You know, 38 years on the Archers or 15 years as the voice of Mind the Gap on the Piccadilly line? Ah, well, you, the, the one you could attract me with is um, eight, it's eight years as the voice of Victor Salzpire in Vermintide, um, for which in America I've got a massive following. When people find out that I am the voice of Victor Salzpire in Vermintide, they go, oh, man, you're kidding me. This is, you're a legend. Um, so if in America they wouldn't know David Archer, but they would know Victor Salzpire. Um, and no, the answer is the Archers. That was... <laughs> Can yeah. you give us some? Can you give us some? I mind the gap moment. You're on the Piccadilly line, so you're on the Piccadilly line. Train. I'm not. This. I'm, I'm no longer there. It, uh, yeah. They pulled me. Um, but for something like 18 years, if you pulled into Hoban, you would hear, "Please mind the gap. This is Hoban. The next station is Russell Square. Please stand clear of the closing doors." <laughs> and um, and nobody ever got the fact that that was David Arch. <laughs> what, what's it like to hear you? Apart from Graham Garden on um, <laughs> the, 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 um, what's the? I'm sorry, I haven't a clue. I'm a clue. Yeah. yeah. So what was it like? What was it like to hear yourself uh, on the, on the on the station? Must be weird. It was very weird, but it was very nice for my children because they used to travel on the tube and they used to feel that their father was looking out for them. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> okay. One uh, about the Archers. Um, in real life, Tim, would Pip give you the Pip? Um, I haven't got a daughter. I only have two sons. So she is my um, erstwhile daughter. She's the daughter that I never had, apart from my niece, Sophie, who's my sister's daughter, um, who's in reality the closest I've got to a daughter. Um, but yes, Pip would have given me the Pip, but <laughs> I would always have loved her all the way through um, and seen her in a 
beauty and charm and um, wondrousness, which and, is there and yes. which will in no doubt come come out. I mean, what's so lovely about being allowed to go through a fictional father daughter relationship is that you don't. It ain't real, man. You know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's not real. Oh, I thought it was real. I thought it was real. Um, are, you, are you still in touch with your student flatmate, uh, Daniel Day Lewis? Uh, no, I wish. No, he's. Um, I saw him once in the street, um, but he's very private, Dan. You know, he's he's a very he's a very private man. He's he's in Ireland. He's in his he's, he's in a castle in Ireland, I think. Um, but what's nice about Dan is that I, I saw him being interviewed on Parkinson years and years ago. You know, uh, well, not years ago, but he was he was very very famous, you know, then. And watching Dan. Um, and I thought to myself, if I if we did run into each other, he would be the same boy, you know. He would be the same self-effacing, mo- modest, sweet, thoughtful, charming boy that I knew at, at Bristolovic Theatre School. Mm-hmm. Um, for all his three Oscars, the bastard, mind <laughs> you, he he didn't get David Archer, did he? <laughs> um, can I have one more question, Royfield? Just the one that I'm kicking you off, sir. Okay, sir. Right. Um, you mentioned you're a bit of a computer whiz kid, and you got all the kick going really quickly and so forth. Um, I mean, the, the, I mean the, this article, that, uh, quoting Kerry, I, I was questioning him about why it was so restrictive. Now, here we are, 50-plus people all talking together, and we were all, a lot of us, missed the dialogue. And I know you've gone through the technicalities, but are, are you entirely convinced as to why it's not possible still, technically, to have dialogues, given the whiz kiddery that, and the technology that is around and capable people like yourself. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not, you know, I am, I am but an, a humble actor, um, and I'm not in a position to be able to answer that question. You really need to talk to, to, to talk to the team. But, but I think the answer is because of professionalism and high standards. Is that from Andy's point of view, it wasn't going to sound right, you know, um, to a to a non-professional ear. You, we we would have we could have got away with it. I think. Um, but it wouldn't have sounded right. It wouldn't have sounded like the Archers. And this was an opportunity to do something which I think is extraordinarily uh, uh, original um, and has never been done before. It's a complete departure. And it was an experiment. And it's, you know, some people have liked it and some people haven't liked it. But it would have sounded really, really weird if we'd gone straight into dialogue. And I think this is a way in. I mean, I, you know, I can't speak for the team, but I, I, I'm, 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 I'm pretty sure that this will, this will develop and that as we get better at it and and as that we get, i mean i i thought of doing a, a little kind of a joke video of saying um here i am at home and i've got um you know the millions of pounds that spent on acoustically proper rooms here i am outside and then i cut to me outside with the microphone you know it outside in the garden recording it onto the computer and then in my shed and then in the shower you know with the shower going and then go out into the high street and then sit there at a table like monty python you know and now for something completely different in the high street and say and it, look it sounds like the high street i'm still going to do that actually i think that's going to be real you should time. do it so well, i can't i i can't i'm i think you know i as i said as i said to roy to royfield before about this whole thing it, it was an experiment it's extraordinary it's novel it's new i think it's it's slowly running its course and it will develop and, 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 and become something even better. Well, in my career, I've had the, the, the honour of, of, of interviewing and talking to many famous Davids, uh, David Hockney, David Attenborough, 
Wow. Now, David Archer. There you go. Radio Royalty. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> Thank you, Quentin. It's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you. <laughs> One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Uh, um, who's got another question for us? Hold your hand up. Oh, Philippa Hall. Yes. As I live and breathe. Uh, you, you are up, Philippa. Can you, um, there you go. Uh, you're up. Yeah. That's the question. Thank you. Hi, Tim. Oh, sorry. Who, 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 where are we? Who are you? Where? I'm waving. Oh, God, hang on. I've got to put you on gallery view. I'll keep I? waving. Waving. Where are you? Yeah, there you are. No, Philippa. there Philippa. I am. Philippa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. that's me. Yeah. It's, a, it's a very serious question, Tim. Colin the camper van. Yeah. When will we have a sequel? <laughs> hang on. <laughs> <laughs> What you're talking about is Colin the Campervan, my book yeah. for children. And shortly after publication, um, I wrote the sequel to it. And it's a very small publishers in Norfolk. And she's been saying to me, no, oh, no, we are. We will. We, no, 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 we will. I wrote it. And we've got all the, all the drawings for it as well um, by, uh, by the uh, brilliant um, Owen Claxton. 
fantastic drawings. It's a much better story. That was written for my kids as a sort of a bedtime story when they're about five. And it's a very short story. This one has got, you know, it's a proper, proper thing. I've also written, and now just recently, six um, short stories for, for um, well, for older children. Um, but the answer to your question is, I wish I knew. Um, because, <laughs> I've been lazy about it because I keep emailing us. Are we going to get this out? Oh, yeah, no, we yeah. won't. So what I'm going to do, I mean, I've been meaning to do this is on the back burner to take both of them and to, 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 to go to a, a children's, you know, a literary agent who who, who specialises in children's you know, children's books. Well, and, we look forward to the next one. Thank you. I'm very. Have you got a camper van? No, but um, we came to listen. You did a, a talk with a literary festival. My son and I came along and yeah, he loved the book. So we're uh, waiting for the second one. Good. No, I'm, and well, it, it, uh, there's another one which I wrote, which is, this is the, sequ the sequence of short stories, which is about the little people. Again, it goes back to not being bullied. It's about the, the, the little things that you don't notice. Um, and it's like um, um, the, uh, the banana that thought she was a star because she, when she was growing, she looked up and she saw the crescent moon, among other stars. So she, she thought that she was a star. And then you won't go through the whole thing of coming from South America to um, <clears throat> to Europe and what happens it's the banana that gets left on the in, in, in the bowl and never gets eaten and goes rotten you know but it comes good and then there's the what they called the one called the Nigel the nail that bent which um, I was asked to read some short stories and it's about a, a nail in Wales and my Welsh accent is you know is all right for a bit but after a while it goes off and so I got my friend Wayne Forrestow who's Welsh to read it and I'll give you the URL of that too and he reads it beautifully and it's a sweet story. I have to say, when he read it, and, and it's the first time I've ever heard my words being uttered by somebody else. And it's a, it's a joy when that happens. And he does it so well. And I have to say, it's a, it's a rather sweet story. And so I, I, you, you, you've got me going now. I'm going to package this whole thing together and I'm going to get a, a children's literary agent and I'm going to get them, get them going. Can, can I just quickly jump in? Because yes. um, Philippa has a wonderful podcast called the quick book reviews podcast uh -huh. so i reckon right that you pair you need to get your people to speak to her people so when you've got your book out you can go on to her podcast and yeah. pimp, pimp it good style excellent, excellent. while you're doing that well just while you're finding the next um when you get the next person i'm going to find Alrighty. the url for that so that thing. Hang on a sec. All righty. Uh, Glyn Fullerlove, uh, you, you're up next because you, you've got the great man's book, I, I, I can see there. So, um, well, I'll tell you what, Glyn, uh, I'm going to hold fire on that now. Any, just wave if you've got a question. Lovely to see you, Francesca. Word salad. Bye-bye. Yes, um, Claire Asprey, you've got a question. Um, Amy Gilbert's got a question. I'm looking on to the next... Uh, you keep waving if you've got a question melissa williams has got a question rosie mcglynn yeah you had a go at me last week rosie i don't know if i should, I should, if I should be coming to you but you, you are very good with your question all right i'm going to get to everybody right um tim are you ready to accept questions sir absolutely yes no um, right. my throat has gone and hung so i can't do it at the moment but what i'll do is i will send you some links to the things that i've been talking about um and we can we you can publish it on your dumdy dumbs all righty. Um, we've got Claire Asprey, you are up. If you want to unmute yourself, chicken. Uh, um, so it's not, it's a very quick comment, not so much a question. And uh, I'm just on behalf of the academic archers, given that I've spent 
a fair amount of time in the last couple of weeks writing up a uh, chapter for the next academic archers book um just uh, to say that uh it's a very valid way of engaging with the program and uh, and it's a great bunch of people so um i think it's really interesting how we can come at the program with lots of different um perspectives based on the kind of specialisms that we arrive with mm. um and i suppose on, on that basis, if there's a question, it's about, given your personal specialisms, what would you bring to an analysis of the archers based on what your specialist subject might be? Um, what, in, do you mean in, in a literary, approaching it as literature? Well, no, my, my specialist subject is housing policy, so that's the way that I look at the archers, but the, we've got all sorts of different people coming at it from all sorts of different aspects. So I'm just interested in if there's a, if there's a special interest that you have that makes you look at the archers in, in a different way. No, it'd be farming, really, because, you know, that I would, I've been very hands-on with that. I was, I was brought up in the countryside and worked on farms when I was a kid. My father um, decided that, uh, that this, you know, when coronavirus came along, it's like justifying my dad, because first thing that he did after the war was he went and took his family down to Tasmania because he thought there was going to be nuclear war. He's the man who put his money where his mouth was. And I was born a, on a Tasmanian sheep station as a result of that. And then in 76, he decided that there was going to be worldwide famine and that he wasn't going to be the one to find the supermarket shelves empty. Uh, and so he up sticks and went down to Devon and created a 10 acre uh, organic small holding and lived off the uh, off the land. And me and Judy went and helped him start that up and worked there for a year and got that going. So, I mean, that's one of the lovely things about being in the arches is that um, although we're standing in a studio in my head, I'm, I'm out there in the, you know, in the, in the fields um, and working with animals and working with my hands and building things and making things. And so that's that's if I weren't an actor, I'd I'd be um, a, a, I'd be making things. I'd be creating stuff with my hands physically. Um, and I've you know I've been here in this house since 1982, and it, virtually every single square inch of this house is my own work. And uh, so yeah, I'm hands on, and that's that's the aspect of it I really really like. And that's the part of David that I am. There's a, not a lot of David that I am, but the, his physicality is, and and his love of of nature and of working is is is, is me so yeah Every, everything i know about farming i learned from the archers <laughs> my granddad was a farmer yeah well my mate tony armor training has got a, a t-shirt that said everything i learned in life i learned from star trek so there's a lot to be said for watching the <laughs> thank you for that question uh yeah, thank uh, you very much indeed uh rosie mcglynn um now i've got a little idea uh, Rosie and Quentin, and uh, very obviously, uh, Dum Dee Dum um, is 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 a community, and I reckon we should get you, Quentin, to do uh, to host an episode of Dum Dee Dum alongside Rosie McGlynn. What, what do you reckon, Rosie? Awesome, totally up for that. Well, well, let's make it happen. Claire Asprey's given us an unequivocal thumbs up. Uh, uh, this is, this is your moment to shine, as you do every week, uh, Rosie. Ask your question. Well, I was going to say, first of all, just thank you, Roy Field, for making our Friday so special through lockdown. It's been wonderful. Oh, so I think we all really appreciate everything that you've done. It's been, it's really kept people going and you've you know, put a huge amount of yourself into it. So genuinely, thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you. So, 
So I am quite nice despite taking the mickey. Um, <laughs> but nice. just a really quick Archer's question. Um, so Tim, um, so my question is, um, will Vince Casey entice Josh further into the dark side and bring Brookfield down? Because Josh is that, you know, Josh is looking for a bit of excitement. Vince Casey is that kind of guy. And obviously David doesn't trust him. So is there a potential kind of doomsville scenario where Vince Casey just takes down your business? Well, of course, there's always two answers to this question. The first one is how many episodes does that mean I'm going to get, which is from Tim's point of view, the most salient question. Um, and, and then the answer, the other answer um, is uh, Vince is um, a, a sweet talker. Uh, he's got the gift of the gab. Um, I thought, you know, right from the word go that, uh, that from David's point of view, that uh, he didn't trust him an inch. And then he came around and thought, well, you know, maybe he's not so bad after all. But clearly he is bad. I think he's painted basically as a baddie. I don't see how one can possibly see Vince. I mean, the name Vince, sorry if there are any Vinces out there listening to this, but Vince is sort of a kind of a traditional English, um, you know, black and white movie bad guy. Is Vince. Oh, no, not Vince. It's the something, something about the name. I think, he's, I think he's probably painted as a bad guy. And if my son thinks he's a good guy, then he's definitely a bad guy because Josh gets everything wrong at the moment because that's the nature of the young man that he is. Um, very, very gullible. So I think probably the answer to your question is that in the long run, um, he, will, he will escape Vince's clutches. Hope that's not mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you for that, Rosie and um, Rosie um, and Quentin. Uh, we're going to make this happen in, in the next month or so. Um, right, Pat Brown. I'm coming up to coming to you after I speak to Melissa Williams, who looks like she's by the pool enjoying herself. Yeah, Melissa, where are you? Go on, Melissa. If you want to unmute yourself. Wait a minute, I'm, I'm trying to unmute you. I, I don't know what's up. There you go. Where are you? Can't see you. Melissa? You're, waving, you're waving furiously. Oh, I there think you are. Whilst, whilst you, I'm trying to unmute you. I, you, you can try and unmute yourself as well. There you go. Okay. There you go. There you go. Okay, hi. Yes, Anna Marie Island, Florida. I've Florida. He has been so gracious to us. Um, but what I want to ask you, is it lasagna or pizza? What, what that I don't like that when cooked uh, by, by Ruth? What do you prefer? Oh, I see. Okay. I once, when I was at Bristol, when I was at theatre school there, I used to have a, uh, a test of restaurants to see who could produce the best lasagna. And the answer was uh, right at the top of, um, of the hill, uh, in Bristol, which um, the most politically incorrect name that you can possibly imagine, but you, in, those Bristolians will know where I mean, up at the top of White Ladies Road. You get up onto the heath there, turn left, and there was an Italian restaurant just there that did the best lasagna I have ever tasted. Now, I am a very good, um, I make fantastic spaghetti bolognese. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, second to none. Yeah, Sam Batten. But my new thing is that we went, I'm in the supermarket <laughs> the other day and I saw lasagna and I thought, I know, I'm going to challenge myself to produce a lasagna that's going to knock even the one in Bristol into a cocked hat. Uh, so on the other hand, the Sorrento pizza on um, down at Highbury Corner, 
which does absolutely the best pizza I've ever had. And we were in San Francisco recently, and we went and had the best pizza that will in the, in the entire in the whole of the United States, the best pizza ever. And he gave it to it. The one that Sorrento Pizza down in Highbury Corner is much better. So I love my pizza, and I love my um, lasagna. But I think when it comes to it, uh, pizza. All right. You got you got Thank a cool you. answer there, Melissa. Uh, right. Uh, who who else was waving? Who having to come to? Because all of a sudden I can't see Pat. Brown. Okay, there you are, Pat. Uh, you you were up. Go for it. And I got a bit of dead air there. Um, there you go. There you go. Hi, Tim. Uh-huh. Hello. Pizza or lasagna? Lovely to see you. I met you. Um, about... Oh, I think we've got two people on. No, no, you're on. Go for it. No, you're on, Pat. Good to see you, Pat. All right, I think we met um, quite a long time ago in Birmingham. I think it was the 60th anniversary. Oh, right. Okay. And you were doing something with things in your make the sound of a newborn lamb. Something landing in yogurt was the sound of a lamb yeah. plopping out. You remember? <laughs> anyway, I do. Yeah, I, we... I've been listening to the. Go on. No, no, we did. Well, there was a, 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 I did a, I had a one man show, and at the end of it, we do the sound effects of of lambing uh, using yogurt and old quarter inch tape, which is the straw, and a wet towel, which is the, the newborn lamb. And you drop the, the lamb on the wet top straw, and you do the squelchy sounds with the yogurt. Um, and then you have coming through the speakers the sound of a new lamb. And there, there it was, you know, the, the whole new life at Brookfield. That's right. Well, I remember that. Anyway, what I want to ask is, I've, I've been listening to the Nigel Partridge triptych. I wonder if you have. I haven't. No, I heard you, about you it. You may well need to see a solicitor. <laughs> what actually happened on that roof? <laughs> well, I pushed him. <laughs> I can ban the man. You know, somebody, somebody had to do it. Somebody had to get rid of him. God. <laughs> I just saw the opportunity. I thought, you know, I can't miss this one. So I gave him a shove in the small of his back. Whoops. Oh, dear. So sorry. And you must admit that the acting oh. that came down was fantastic. You know, the, 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 the upset and, the, you know, trying to deal with my sister. I think, you know, that was a pretty damned extraordinary performance from my part. But no, I pushed him. Yeah. Oh, oh God! Well, we heard heard it here first, folks. Well, no, yeah, we heard it here second because Graham told us a couple of well, weeks ago. Well, he did. Triptych. He's sort of he's slightly ambiguous about it. <laughs> Thanks for the question, Pat. All right, let's rattle through these questions because we're it's uh, twenty past eight now. So, if you, uh, please wave if I haven't come to you yet. Um, right, going on to st- on the second pack. Let's go back because I know there was somebody else. Oh, Lonnie Bihar, Mr. Witherspoon, uh, you are up, sir. Go. All right. Thanks. Uh, Tim, uh, I, this isn't a question. It, it's a comment and a compliment. Uh-huh. Uh, as, as people know, I'm Witherspoon. I'm a psychiatrist. I'm oh, wow. a gay Jewish New York City psychiatrist, and I think and David Archer is my favorite character on the Archers. Wow. Um, you know, you're the, David is the person I would sit down and have a pint with at the pub. Fantastic. I find him, he's a regular guy who's kind of dealing with life's everyday problems. And I relate to that. He's, I'm a year older than he is in 
real life and in david archer life he was born i think in september 59 i was born in october 58 okay so i think we and we share a same taste in music but again i find david to be very personable uh so i thank you for making david very personable and real and i think that's a reflection of you who you are as a person as i can tell so thank thank you well thank you so much are you in new york at the moment I am. I'm in my Greenwich Village apartment. Oh, it's man. a beautiful day in New York. <laughs> I worked. I worked in New York in um, in the seventies. I was. Uh, I worked for a company called Trekker, um, called um, Foreign Study League. It was part of Reader's Digest, and I was a tour guide. I used to take ah. um, take students. Um, I used to take them on tours around around New York and uh, and organize these. And then the following year, I got a job for Trek America, which is driving around the states. Um, so I had a six, a thirteen-seater Dodge minibus full of uh, tourists, and, and drove through the northern states to San Francisco, and then dropped down, picked up another batch in in LA, and then drove them through the southern states back to to New York again. Um, so I spent an entire summer in in New York. Do you remember the Schaefer concerts in Central Park? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. they had different sponsors, but uh, yeah. yeah, I remember well, there was when a they fantastic were fantastic. Woman called Schaefer Company. Yeah. <laughs> The wonderful woman called Shelley Lazar, who's a sister of the, my boss there, Fran Lazar, and she she organized them. So I used to get free tickets for the Schaefer concert. So every Saturday, I'd just be in Central Park listening to rock music. It was mm-hmm. just, yeah, it was fantastic. And, and I just want to give a shout out to Pat Hanavan, who has been my friend for 40 years. 40 years ago this summer, we were in Buffalo together. Her husband, Bill, was a medical school classmate of mine. And we've been friends ever since. And I got Pat re-listening to the Archers and to Dumpty Dum. So a shout out to Pat down there on the screen. Cool. <laughs> Fantastic. It's Thank you for that. We've just been in the upper lower east west side. Yeah. Uh, do we have a New York listening to us, man? Before right. we go, Glenn Fuller, I think you're gonna be our last one then, Glenn. You are up my new foster dad. Yeah. Um <laughs> Thank you very much, Tim. Um, I shall I shall do a plug for your book if anyone Thank hasn't you. read it. Being David Archer, marvelous, it's definitely worth a read. Um, and also, thank you very much for the shout out for the theatre staff. As the I do have a daughter, and she's a theatre technician, yeah. and so thank you for that shout out. Yeah. My question is an Archer's related one. Um, we've heard David musing about Ruth and about Ruth's lasagna. Yeah, if we are to hear Ruth. What will she muse about about David? Oh God, what a good question. Um, what what she got against David? Um, I don't know. She always, she, you know, she's she's hard work. <laughs> That's what I love about their relationship. Actually, um, she's tough as old boots, Ruth Archer. She doesn't give an inch. Um, but from David's point of view, you see, I don't know whether people really get this. He is completely soppy about her. That's his his weakness in a way. Um, he's he's madly in love, and he is terrified that the cancer's going to come back. Mm. So that was the whole thing that happened with Sam, and that's why that scene when he finds out that she was having that she'd fallen in love with this guy was so powerful because you know and and. That was the only time I actually really did have tears in my eyes in, in, in all these 38 years of actually, there was no acting required. It was really moving um, when he, 
he's so hurt because he thought that the cancer had come back and that's why she was behaving badly. And then out of left field, suddenly find that she's fallen in love with somebody else. And that, that shook him to his boots. And I've played that. I've played, you know, with that in my head from my point of view as David, that has never gone away that he loves her to bits, but he doesn't quite totally trust her in the way. And he's terrified that either she's going to fall in love with somebody else or she's going to get cancer. So that's a lovely thing to play a subtext. And one of the things that we could, you know, that, that could, that can be done, could be done with ones, with these monologues is to find what's going on inside our heads you know, those kind of secrets. But as an actor, what, you, what you're allowed to do is to let that come through a subtext rather than the, 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 the words that you say. I mean, I said, you know, when I was writing about, the, about this earlier, I said, you know, in the past, you, <clears throat> you, you, what, what you hear is not necessarily what the character is thinking. And now what you, what you hear is not necessarily what the, what the character is saying. So it, it, it turns it on its head. It's quite fun. Um, so I, I, I don't know whether or not she would say, I don't really like him. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think, she, I think she loves him. She does. She does. But I don't think, I don't think she loves him as, quite as much as he loves her. She's fun. So he's always trying to win her. There. Mm. Uh, thank you for that great little bit uh, of insight, Mr. B. <laughs> um, we're about to start winding things but up. Good question. Thank you very much. Thank you. It was a great question. Make me, make me think about that. It was good. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we're going to go on to the quiz, everybody. And uh, we're going to uh, get the answers. Here they go. So what do we have here in question one? Um, the animal is a boar. It's a chest. And that is a symbol of femininity. So that is her. Borchester is... Uh, the answer to uh, the pitch round question number one. Oh, one. I did get that one. Yay. Well done. Uh, number two, this is an archer's thing or person. Uh, do you want to have a guess at this, Mr. Bentink? Sago Vegerina. Uh, that, that very good guess. Totally incorrect. Right. The flower and produce show. That is flower. Um, that is produce. Uh, image number two. Yeah. And number three. That is a stage with lights. It's a show, the flower and yeah. produce show. Glimple of Love is nodding sagely there. He's got yeah. it. Um, this one might be a little bit hard. Everyone's kind of shaking their head at number three. We have the number one. We have a bit of material with a bit of metal underneath it, then a book. The number one is also single. That is a wick, as in a candle wick. Oh. And I read this out, K-E-T, and I went, Ket, the single wicket. That's um, what that is. It's the single wicket. Glenn has going, oh, yeah. Pat Brown's giving me a thumbs down. How dare you, Pat? I thought it was quite good. <laughs> single wicket. Very good. Right, now, the, it's a Timothy Benting crown. All right. When did Timothy begin the role of David? Uh, what year was it, Tim? 1982. So B, 1982. And you did tell us in, uh, just before we went on to the, on to the quiz. Number two, um, which were Tim's first words on the arches? You also told us this. The answer is? Evening all. Evening all. Num that was B again. Um, when, when being a man about town or the village in the 1980s, David had a trusty steed. What was it? What car did you have, Tim? That was C, a Ford Escort, Escort XR3i. It absolutely was. Wasn't it red? 
I think it was. I think it's red. Yeah. I went to I went to the, the car show once, and the, I went to the Ford stand, and we were there. And I went up to the Ford guy, and I said, "Look, hi, my name's Tim Bentink. I play David Archer in the Arches, as you probably know. He's just been given a Ford S- Escort XR3i. Can I have one, please, with it written on the side, David Archer? You know, and I'll do publicity for you." He looked at me as I was completely barking mad. <laughs> Never. <laughs> <laughs> Question number four. The name Bentink appeared on the Archer's credits before Tim joined the set. How? It, it was completely mad. Norman Painting wrote some episodes of the Archers under the name Norman Bentink. And if you think of painting Bentink, it is actually a kind of almost a homophone. Painting Bentink. Um, and so when I turned up, Tim Bentink, he, he simply couldn't believe this as, the, as a coincidence. I couldn't believe it either. I mean, quite extraordinary. And I think I, I think I got that from your book. I think, I think, it, I think it was in my yes, book. Yes, there you go. It's in my book, yeah. Um, last question. David is, is a passionate man, but which thing gets his goat the most what really gets you exercise the most is it a badgers b vince casey or c being owed money by kenton oh, always it's kenton kenton <laughs> <laughs> well i must admit i didn't know the answer to that i would have actually said badgers but you are david archer so you say it's kenton it's kenton so if you if you answered kenton that is the answer yeah so yeah. let's go back on to gallery round everybody Anybody get all eight correct? All right, then nobody's got a thumbs up yet. All right, seven. Any, oh, right, Jane's got yeah. seven. Nick and Neil have seven. Yeah. Tim's got seven. Got seven. And well, I'm going to go on to the other page as well. Who has got seven? Anybody else? All right, so we're going to go on to those three very quickly. It is your time to bask. Right, so Nick and Neil. Are you the two gentlemen who are over in the black country, kind of Staffordshire way? We are South Staffordshire. Ah, uh, what, what, what question did you get wrong? Uh, the car. Oh, I went three, uh, but I didn't know. Sorry. I've got a sneaky feeling your vintage of the archers doesn't quite go back to the 1980s. Am I correct? I'm only about three, four years. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> you basically got them all right, Ben. Okay, yeah. well done. It's some- time for Friday. I don't mind. <laughs> Um, who else got, got seven? Tim, coming on to you, sir. Yeah. Oh, it's Tim and Tim. It's the Tim and Tim show. Tim, which question did you get wrong? Um, I got the last one wrong. Um, I thought it would be um, badgers. Me too. Because... I would have said badgers. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a subjective answer. I mean... Well, you know. I, I don't think it is, because I, I was trying to work it out, because I think all of them get your goat. Yes. But you've only killed one of them. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very good point, actually. I think I think Tim should have an honorary point. I think anyone who said badges should <laughs> get an honorary point for that very reason that he's only killed one of them. <laughs> yeah, I said badges as well. <laughs> and who else got seven? Um, there was somebody else. Jane coming on to you. Bask Jane. Un- unmute yourself. There you go. You're up. Hey, hi. Uh, I got your excellent single wicket clue wrong. Oh. I didn't get it wrong. I had absolutely no idea. I've written down um, plumb line test book. Almost. You're almost there. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, I think that's it. 
That's the end of our COVID Coronas Lockdown Fridays. Oh. Um, I'm going to unmute you all, which means that you can now um, give us a give our Timothy Bentink a round of applause for being so wonderful and spending his Friday with us. So a round of applause for Tim. Yay! Yay! Thank you, Mr. B. Um, as, as I said, everybody, um, that's just about is us done uh, for this summer. Um, yeah, for another reason, then, if I wasn't careful, I was going to run through all the actors blooming quickly if I kept on having them on every week. Timothy Bentink, um, we, uh, we, we thank you, we salute you for coming on and spending your, your Friday with us. Um, hopefully we'll get you back on Dumbly Dum before the end of the year when the, everything goes back to relative normality. Yeah. And, um, and, and it's always lovely to see you, sir. Well, you too. And thank you so much, Royfield. It's been absolutely wonderful. And I'm, I'm very pleased we haven't been invaded by any flashes or anything like that. And that, was, <laughs> that, was a, that was a plus. <laughs> a bonus there. <laughs> Once bitten, twice shy. <laughs> well, it, it does add a certain free song to, to the broadcast. It, it you does. Get, you never know who's going to be there. Exactly. You get a scene to get these little man out. <laughs> <and stuff. laughs> but listen, everybody, thank you for supporting Dumpty Dum. Um, if you, if you want to do one thing, give us, do us one favour. Go on to the BritishPodcastAwards.com forward slash vote. You don't even have to be British to do it. So Lonnie Bihar over in the upper lower east west side, you can do it. Uh, anyone from planet Earth, you know, let's go and vote for Dumdy Dum. Let's get ourselves, let's get the Archers a little bit of a mention on, on that great award ceremony. Uh, we probably won't win, but let's get a mention. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Be good. Peace, Dave. And Quentin and Rosie Porter. I'm coming to you guys very soon because it's going to be a very special, host a very special episode of Dumby Dum. Take care of everyone. Thank you, Tim. Bye bye. Thanks, Rife. See you, mate. Thanks a lot. Bye.